morning and welcome to our Daily Word and Prayer this morning. So my name is Tom Shore, so glad to have you along with us today. I'm going to do something a little bit different, so I'm getting set up here for it. This is the Christmas season, as you know. On Sunday mornings, we like to talk about a song that we sing, or that we ought to sing, or that maybe is a treasure that has put into words beautiful thoughts that sometimes we have difficulty expressing ourselves. Isn't it wonderful that God has gifted people to know how to say things and express things? They are artists with words, artists with music, who can touch our soul and help us express to God the love and worship He deserves and is worthy of. Obviously, during this time of the year, we'd like to do it with a Christmas carol. And I've run across a book a couple years ago that I'd like to encourage you with. It's called, um, there's a whole series of them, Great uh, Stories Behind the Great Christmas Carols, More Stories Behind the Great Christmas Songs, Stories Behind Great Christmas Traditions. It's by a guy named Ace Collins, A-C-E Collins. You can find him on Amazon, and and, uh, I've enjoyed reading the stories behind carols, the stories behind traditions, and so on. And indeed, if you're someone who wishes that um, the, the, the traditions and the true meaning of Christmas could be preserved and will be preserved in generations to come. Uh, he's done some beautiful work there. So I'd recommend his, I'll leave his description in the, uh, or, or a uh, link to Amazon in the description below. But what I'd like to do today is just read one of his stories. And uh, I, as I was preparing and thinking, I just can't improve upon it. I could take some of the stuff and add it together and put it in my own words. I'd rather just read it. So we're going to do this morning the Christmas carol, What Child Is This? And learn the story behind it and the writer. I think you'll be encouraged by it. Are you ready? Here we go. What Child Is This? One of the most moving and beautiful Victorian carols can trace its history back further than the days of the infamous Henry VIII. Though the song was registered to a Richard Jones in in 1580, legend has it that the notorious king might have even written the original lyrics himself as recorded Anne Boleyn. The the song's association with King Henry was forever tied to green sleeves when William Shakespeare used it in his play The Merry Wives of Windsor. The haunting melody often associated with guitar and hopsichord solos, most likely predates Henry VIII by hundreds of years. As an ancient English folk song, there have been more than 20 different lyrics associated with it throughout history, and many more that might not have been known. First published in 1652, the melody became even more popular when the lyrics were associated with Henry VIII. For much of his early life, the two no- much of its early life, the tune known as Green Sleeves was associated with pubs as a popular drinking song. Although God is mentioned in a closing verse of the best-known lyrics, nothing about the song closely resembled a religious piece. It was simply one of the era's most popular folk songs. By the 19th century, Green Sleeves was almost as beloved as God Save the Queen even without its associated with Christmas and what child is this, green sleeves would probably have still been the, a well-known tune in England today. Yet, 
it was this, it was with different lyrics that the world fully embraced the British tune. Little break here. I hope this is clear and understanding. This was a song sung in pubs. Greensleeves was long before the Christian words were put to it, the, the Christmas carol, even associated back with King Henry VIII, way back, hundreds of years earlier. William Chatterton Dix was assuredly not thinking about Greensleeves when he sat down with pen and paper to record his thoughts of Christmas in 1865. So again, right at the end of our Civil War, although he was over in Britain. Dix was an insurance man by trade, but a poet at heart. Serious about his writing, he studied other poets, read classic literature, and spent a great deal of time in college working on his creative craft. The Englishman was even known after uh, the Englishman was even known after named after Chatterton, Chatterton, one of English's best poets. Dix's father, who insisted that William be christened with the scribe's name, had once written a biography of the poet and encouraged his son to follow in the footsteps of his hero. Born in Somerset, England in 1837, during a time when few adventuresome folks migrated more than 50 miles from their place of birth, Dix found himself manager of a marine insurance company in Glasgow, Scotland, himself that by the time he was 25. Though in charge of some of the company's most important accounts and eventually the head of growing family, Dix still found time to write. Many correctly accuse him of pursuing poetry as his passion and his job as a sideline venture. Dix's writing embraced a wide range of thoughts and subjects. It lacked much focus, however, until tragedy struck, and your fatal illness robbed him of his strength and confined him, confined the man to bed for many months. As he lay near death, he often reflected on his faith. Reading his Bible and studying the works of respected theologians, Dix reaffirmed his belief in not only Christ as Savior, but in the power of God to move in his own life. Not long after regaining his strength, an inspired Dix produced some of the greatest hymns ever written by an English layman. Songs by Dix such as Alleluia, Sing to Jesus, and As with Gladness, Men of Old are still sung all around the world today. Here was his song. What child is this who laid a rest on Mary's lap is sleeping, whom angels greet with anthem, anthem sweet while shepherds watch her keeping? This, this is Christ the King, whom shepherds guard and angels sing. Haste, haste to bring him laud, the babe, the son of Mary. Why lies he in such mean estate where ox and ass are feeding? Good Christian fear for sinners here, the silent word is pleading. Hail, hail, the word made flesh, the babe, the son of Mary. So bring him incense, gold and myrrh, come peasant king to own him. The king of kings salvation brings, let loving hearts enthrone him. Joy, joy, for Christ is born, the babe, the son of Mary. In the era while Dix was writing hymns and raising a family, Christmas was not the commercial celebration that it is today. Neither was it a season where many openly celebrated the birth of Christ. This is very interesting. Conservative Christian churches forbade gift-giving, decorating, and even acknowledging the day. These Puritan 
groups fear that if set aside as a special day, Christmas would become a day of pagan rituals more than a very serious time of worship. Other churches held services but were also intent on the day being reserved for only a time of worship. In this context, it was unusual for Dix to feel moved to write about Christ's birth, since many hymn writers of the period ignored Christmas altogether. There's no record of why Dix decided to write the first Christmas. Nor did he share with his family and friends how the poem penned was written quickly in a single session. Yet the writer's Christmas work, entitled The Manger Throne, quickly emerged as his most memorable effort. However, the song's powerful words presented a unique view of the birth of Christ. While the baby was the focal point of the song, the viewpoint of the writer seemed to be that of the almost confused observer. In a stroke of brilliance, Dix imagined visitors to the humble manger wondering who this child was that lay before them. Employing this special perspective, the author wove a story of the child's birth, life, death, and resurrection. Each verse also answered with a triumphant declaration of the infant's divine nature. Dix published The Manger Throne in England just as the U.S. Civil War was ending. Perhaps because of the fragile state of America's collective spirit, bruised and torn by four years of fighting, the manger throne was quickly imported from Britain to the United States and became a well-known Christmas poem in both the North and the South. Yet while it was used in church services and printed in magazines and newspapers, it wasn't until an unknown Englishman coupled Dix's lyrics with the melody Greensleeves that the carol became immensely popular on both sides of the Atlantic. Unlike many others who penned lyrics to now famous holiday classics, Dix, who died in 1898, lived long enough to see the manger throne become the much-beloved Christmas carol, What Child Is This? Though Dix's inspired words are now recognized as some of the most concise yet powerful ever used in a hymn, it is in the reality the old English tune it is in reality the old English tune Greensleeves with the advent of radio and recording that allowed what child is this to continue to grow in popularity. Once a unique melody is heard, Greensleeves is seldom forgotten, soulfully touching and beautiful when such sung an a cappella or accompanied by a guitar. It is also awe-inspiring and soaring when arranged for a cathedral choir or an orchestra. Perhaps that is why William Dix's song remains one of the most beautiful, beloved, remembered of all Christmas carols. I hope you enjoyed that. I'm, this is the first time I've ever sat and read for the entire time, and uh, I hope it came across clear. What a beautiful song written by an insurance salesman who loved poetry. And it was after a bout of near death that Christ became more and more personal to him. And he studied and wrote this song. But it wasn't until this poem was put into the music of this old, old song, Greensleeves. It's been around for centuries that it became well known to us today. Father in heaven, we thank you that this child, you've given us the answer to this. What, who is this child? On Mary's lap is sleeping. It is Christ the King. Thank you, Father, 
Thank you for people like William Dix who are able to put into words beautiful thoughts, worship, beautiful poems, and those who are able to put them into music so that it touches our soul. We thank you, Lord, that ours is a religion where you have given us the gift of music to praise you. Oh, Lord, might we be singing people. We know that singing thrills the heart and it brings you praise. You've given a new song. You've put a new song in our mouth, and we love you and bless you. So we thank you, Jesus, for this Christmas season. We thank you for the miracle of the incarnation. We thank you for the truth that Jesus, the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, came to earth as that young child, that babe, helpless, helpless, and yet you would grow to be the one to give your life as a sacrifice for our sins. We bless you. We love you today. We pray that all day long we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, and amen. Okay, folks, hey, thanks for being with me today on today's Daily Word and Prayer. We come here and we get in the Word every day. We talk about a hymn or a carol or something on Sundays. But tomorrow we'll be back in the Word, talking about it, learning from it, growing in it. So I hope you'll join me. If you're new, I hope you subscribe to our channel, share with your friends, leave a comment below, like the video. Those of you here regularly, God bless you. Until we meet tomorrow, might the Lord bless you, strengthen you, make his face shine upon you, fill you with his joy. Because remember, you got something the world didn't give. Don't let the world take it away. God bless you. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye.